Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. Many issues pertaining to religious liberty are decided by the nation's Supreme Court. Religious liberty lost a champion when Justice Antonin Scalia died. His replacement, Neil Gorsuch, a conservative appointed by President Trump, was narrowly approved on a mostly party-line vote. When Justice Kennedy, a swing voter on the court, announced his retirement, Trump nominated Judge Brett Kavanaugh, a social conservative, to replace him. The Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on his nomination has taken partisanship to new levels. I discuss the situation with Washington Observer and focus on the family vice president, Tim Gigline. Well, it's uh, it's a great honor to be with you, and it's a great honor to be speaking about Brett Kavanaugh, who uh, I believe will make a truly outstanding justice. You know, when I get a program like this, or you know, especially when I, I had first contacted you and suggested that this would make a good program for us, you know, the... Uh, I, I usually spend several days really studying the topic, trying to figure out what's going on, who's going on, you know, who the players are and what's happening. And Tim, I got to tell you, I have never seen anything like I am seeing now in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, not to be uh, too cl- close on the words, it's bonkers. I've never seen anything like it, Tim. What's going on? Well, it doesn't add up. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh uh, is admired in his church, in his community, and in his profession. And throughout uh, this very uh, distinguished career uh, in public service, he has undergone no less than six uh, FBI background checks. Uh, And in all of those six checks, which are deep and wide and broad, there has never been even a whisper of misconduct. And um, uh, 65 women who uh, are his contemporaries, uh, you know, during high school, they've all come out, I mean, 65 of them, uh, and, and said that Brett Kavanaugh was and is a man of total character and total integrity. And, 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 and in addition to those 65 women, Countless women who have known uh, him personally and professionally, spanning uh, you know three decades, have all testified to his respect for women, his character, and his integrity. Well, Tim, let's do a little bit of background on this. Justice Kavanaugh, sure. Judge Kavanaugh, was nominated by President Trump to fill the seat that was held by Judge uh, Kennedy, who recently retired. This thing got off to a rocky start from the very beginning, even though Justice, uh, Justice uh, Judge Kavanaugh had sat, I believe, for 12, uh, for 12 years in one of the most prestigious courts in the country, the, uh, the uh, Circuit Court of uh, District of Columbia, the actually Court of Appeals, District of Columbia. He's written over 300 uh, separate judgments. All of which, all of them, all of them, to my knowledge, have been have been lauded as being superbly written and and very much in contact with the uh, with the Constitution. Yet, from the moment he went before the committee, he has faced one attack after another, come out of it smelling like a rose. And now, just as the committee is supposed to end, this letter comes up. This woman that uh, that uh, Senator Feinstein 
had sat on for almost two months and refused to <laughs> never even address the issue when she had uh, Kavanaugh under oath, either publicly or in a private session, alleging an incident that Kavanaugh says doesn't never happened, that the witness she names says never happened. She can't mention the she can't remember the year. She can't remember where it happened. She can't remember how she got there. She can't remember how she got back. There, she changed her story numerous times on how many people were there. Her own therapist has contradicted what she has said. And people now want to hold this, this whole thing up until this can be, quote, investigated by the FBI. And that's not even a federal crime. What's going yeah, it, on? It, yeah, it, it's very interesting. Uh, the, uh, the great president, John Adams, said that facts are hard things. And I think that amid all of the uh, circus-like atmosphere that you are discussing, and I was very honored to be in the hearing room uh, for two uh, of those uh, of the four days, and you are absolutely right. It was a, a total circus. Uh, I mean, just in the days that I was there, uh, there were the, uh, the the arrests of more than a dozen protesters, and they would stand up and shout and scream and et cetera, et cetera. So, so, you know, the fact that Brett Kavanaugh was able to keep his cool, continue to answer uh, broadly, widely, deeply uh, the, the questions that were before him, in, in one sense, uh, you know, uh, I think is a testament to his patience and, and his character. But the second thing that you touch on, I think, is uh, perhaps one of the most timely and relevant things. Uh, Senator Feinstein apparently did not believe the allegations were serious or credible or relevant enough uh, to share with the FBI or with any other member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, even in the confidential background portion of the committee process, because if she had believed it, she didn't do it. Uh, and, And this is the part that genuinely does not add up. Uh, but what does add up is that, uh, unfortunately, some members are doubling down on a strategy of what appears to a lot of us as character assassination. I mean, they're seeking to destroy the life of a very distinguished jurist and public servant for the sake of appeasing the far left-wing base and... Uh, I find that, and I think uh, millions of Americans of both political parties uh, find that uh, very disconcerting. Tim, what is at stake as far as religious liberty is concerned here? Now, Justice Kavanaugh seems to be a man of faith, and his record speaks as, uh, I guess the, the, the phrase is he's an originalist. He believes that the Constitution means what it says. What is this saying, this entire debate saying about the future of religious liberty in the United States? Well, I believe that that uh, that uh, that Judge Kavanaugh uh, actually has participated uh, in cases uh, on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, which uh, you referenced earlier. And, uh, you know, we can only draw conclusions based on those particular cases. So uh, although he has not uh, clearly been a member of the of the Supreme Court, and and I uh, pray and anticipate that he will be, uh, my own sense of it is, uh, given his jurisprudence, uh, given the concept of originalism, 
and uh, given the uh, the manner in which he very thoughtfully uh, works through cases, I think it is very possible that, and I'm speaking very broadly, but on the issues of religious liberty and conscience cases, um, I think there is uh, you know probable reason to conclude that he might reason through any potential case uh, in a way that is uh, uh, similar. Uh, to uh, to Justice Alito uh, or Justice Gorsuch, but of course, until we actually know what the cases are, uh, what the particularities are, where the case arises, you know, what the constitutional question is, you know, it's uh, it's very difficult to say that a potential justice will rule, you know, in this regard or in that one. But based on the cases that he has already uh, ruled upon. Uh, I think that there is a reason for optimism in that I think and anticipate that he could well be a justice uh, who favors the constitutional view of religious liberty and rights of conscience. I, I take great heart in that. Tim, the faith community has been saying for a long time that they are under attack, and the secular community has been flatly denying it, and yet we've seen everything from old Baron L. Stutzman to Jack Phillips, who's Best has once again been hauled before the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Right. And what we have seen since the new administration has taken has taken over and since uh, Justice Gorsuch was placed on the court, uh, there seems to be a little bit of a move now in the high court and perhaps even in the lower court uh, areas t- to be a little bit more open to the concept of religious freedom, saying, yeah, you know, the, this does deserve to be protected, as it has been. Uh, I, I'm wondering, is this the fear on the other side, that, that the the secular agenda will not succeed? You know, they can't get it through the legislature, so they've been trying through the uh, courts recently, and uh, has had a fair amount of success. But now maybe the uh, pendulum's swinging. Is this what they're afraid of? Well, it's it's very interesting uh, because you have been uh, so kind, uh, you know, uh, across the years to invite me to be a part of this uh, radio program, and I, it's something I, I I really enjoy. And I remember on one of the very uh, first uh, interviews that I uh, did with you, I mentioned to you that I'm, uh, you know, a, a irredeemable optimist uh, <laughs> on the question of religious liberty cases that come to the Supreme Court. And so a few weeks ago, I went back and I looked at uh, the most recent uh, 10 cases uh, of religious liberty and conscience rights that had come before the court. Now, what is particularly interesting in this regard is that these cases, uh, you know, came uh, to the the court, uh, not under a court on many domestic and social, uh, you know, uh, areas, where there was what you know, somebody of goodwill would say is a conservative majority. Uh, very often, uh, the, the, the last uh, retired Justice Kennedy, uh, you know, was uh, was firmly a um, you know a, a very important vote in the cases that I'm referencing. And with uh, with uh, with no exceptions, uh, which is a big statement, uh, it was a very categorically and has been a pro-religious liberty court on the cases upon which it's ruled. So I think we can take great heart from that, uh, that, that any court that would potentially include uh, Justice Kavanaugh uh, would potentially continue 
and I'm speaking very broadly, would potentially continue uh, the, the court's recent trajectory of pro-religious liberty decisions. And those arose in large measure because of the eloquence and, uh, and, and the defense of the late great Justice Scalia, uh, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, and, and in a couple of very important instances, Chief Justice Roberts. So, so in that regard, I'm very hopeful. I think the thing to watch, however, is not just the trajectory of any future court on the issue of religious liberty and conscience. I think this is very important to say. It hasn't been said enough, which is that uh, for all the cases that the court has taken up and decided, there's reason to be pleased. But I think we have to remember that there are a number of cases that have come to the court that have not been accepted. Uh, and, and I think this is where my optimism comes in particularly strongly. Uh, we have a photography case uh, of a Christian photographer uh, in New Mexico. Uh, you referenced a, a florist, a Christian florist, uh, who lives in Washington State. Uh, there is a T-shirt, uh, a Christian T-shirt uh, shop designer and owner who lives in Kentucky. Uh, these are very high-profile cases uh, at the state level uh, or at the district federal level. And I think what is possible, uh, and of course we can't know yet, but I think that not only will the victories continue on religious liberty cases, but I think some of these other cases that have been brewing at a lower level, on a state level, etc., I think it is possible in future uh, that that more of these cases will potentially be accepted by the Supreme Court for its consideration. And if that's the case, uh, I think we have a very uh, great possibility of winning those cases and therefore expanding religious liberty and conscience rights even more broadly. Well, Tim, something I'd observed in uh, two of the more recent rulings, one was dealing with the pro-life uh, Pregnancy Crisis Centers in California and the case of Jack Phillips with Masterpiece Cake Shop. The yeah. court ruled in their favor both times, but the court ruled on it on a basis of speech, not religion. And that, uh, it looks like they just wanted to avoid that issue or issue a very narrow ruling. You, know, you can't force somebody to say something against their, uh, against their conscience. But again, that was, they based it on free speech explicitly in both rulings so now we've still got the issue of the court categorically issuing something on on freedom of religion which they have not yet done and this is something um, i'm yes. looking at very closely mm -hmm. may, may i tell you that is the other area of, of genuine optimism uh in in you know in this case that i'm making which is that uh there are and i'm i'm really not overstating it uh, Jack Phillips was indeed uh, brought to the court as a free speech case, even through the prism uh, of the idea of religious liberty. But here's why I'm optimistic in, in regard to the question that you ask. And, and for people listening, this is a extremely important distinction. Uh, Jack Phillips, of all the lower uh, court uh, potential cases that we could be discussing today, the Jack Phillips case was actually not the best test case for freedom of speech as it relates to religious liberty. I think there are actually far better cases, purer cases, 
that are uh, religious uh, liberty cases, but are far more in the in the um, uh, you know in the in the space of free speech. And I I use the example of of this man who is a Christian who owns a tea shop print and design uh, shop in in Kentucky. Uh, you know, and being asked uh, and forgive me, being demanded of. Uh, that he use his shop uh, to print um, uh, T-shirts uh, with statements that are in opposition to his faith. Now, you know, that is not uh, precisely a Jack Phillips uh, cake style case. It's a much firmer, uh, purer uh, First Amendment speech case. And so what I'm saying is that with a different configuration of justices, I think it is very, we, we should be very optimistic that the court will be open to ruling uh, in a more uh, in a broader and in a wider applicability of those cases. So um, so so the the hearing the Kavanaugh hearings and the Kavanaugh votes and all this you know it really uh, rapidly gets into many of the issues that we're discussing today and why it's so crucial. Uh, that we get justices on the court uh, who believe that the Constitution has a fixed meaning. Well, we've had some developments uh, really within just the last few hours. Uh, you know, we've had uh, uh, Chuck Grassley, the senator, uh, who's the, uh, the who is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, has set up the hearing to hear to hear both uh, Dr. Ford who's the accuser and Dr. Cav- and uh, Judge Kavanaugh to uh, refute or to defend himself to have a hearing on Monday. Kavanaugh immediately agreed to it. Ford has not. And uh what has happened is that just today uh the uh, Senator Grassley has said, okay, look, you've got until 10 o'clock on Friday to give us your brief and your bio. If not, you're not going to be able to attend. You're not going to be testifying. So yeah, it looks to really, me like it's he's really, intent. It's, it's, oh, forgive me. I'm so sorry. So it looks to me like he is intent, he being uh, Senator Grassley, is intent on getting this issue behind him one way or the other and then getting a final vote on the judge. Yeah, I and forgive me, I did not mean to interrupt you. Uh, Chairman okay. Grassley uh, has been the model of patience. Uh, and in fact, he has been such a model of patience uh, that he uh, actually canceled uh, a vote in the Senate Judiciary Committee that was scheduled on the Kavanaugh nomination for Thursday. Uh, now, as chairman, he did not, under the rules of the Senate, he did not uh, have to cancel that hearing, nor at the 11th hour uh, did he have to reschedule a Monday hearing and invite uh, the accuser. But I think uh, in his uh, natural ability to want to be fair and to show the kind of gravitas uh, that the American people have a right to expect uh, from the chairman, um, he uh, went ahead and said on Monday, on separate panels, uh, you know, we as the Senate Judiciary Committee will be open uh, to hearing from uh, the accuser, Dr. Ford, and uh, from Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, I, I think people of goodwill say that is more than equitable, more than fair. And, and, and frankly, uh, you know, this uh, charge, this allegation is very serious. And so the Senate should want to 
uh, hear uh, from uh, Judge Kavanaugh's accuser. Uh, but, on the other hand, and this is very important, the Supreme Court begins its new term on Monday, October 1st. And in order to have a full complement of nine justices for opening day, uh, there are a certain number of days and hours that have to be allotted between the final vote in the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, and the final vote on the Senate floor. And so uh, Chairman Grassley is working very hard uh, to accommodate uh, both of these deadlines, and I think he has uh, really uh, done a very uh, great job. Over and above that, I agree with you. By the uh, for what it's worth, I've actually uh, had have had uh, I've interviewed uh, Senator Grassley many many times back when I was in Iowa, even when he was a congressman. I remember uh, interacting with him at that time. He's a very impressive man, uh, but the. Uh, one thing that is coming up with with this special hearing that uh, I I think is important, whether or not the uh, Dr. Ford shows, is sure. that Judge Kavanaugh has got to have an opportunity to to defend himself. I, I'm seeing so much of this. Uh, always believe the accuser. Always believe the woman. Well, excuse me, that's not what due process is about. Yeah, may I say uh, uh, I um, believe that Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, does uh, deserve the opportunity to defend himself. Uh, and I must tell you, um, and, uh, and I know you're a very close observer of the public square, it is very rare uh, for uh, allegations to be uh, 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 put forth in this manner at the, and, and the timing and going to the heart of a person's character and integrity. And to have very rapidly, the person being charged, uh, not only to categorically deny it, uh, but to make it very clear that there is no part of this charge that is true, uh, and that he uh, was willing to uh, go to the President of the United States and to the leadership of the Senate to say, I categorically stand by my statement, ask me any question that you want to ask under oath. Uh, I mean, that is a, that, that's more than just a uh, kind of a uh, denial uh, or, uh, you know, a denial with a few caveats or what people would call wiggle room. Uh, when you read uh, Judge Kavanaugh's uh, denial, it's categorical. Uh, it has uh, no uh, wiggle room. And, uh, you know, he's gone to the president. He's gone to the White House counsel and he's gone to the chairman. Uh, of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the ranking member of that committee uh, and has told uh, uh, all of them that he is open to testifying under oath and that there's no truth uh, in it whatsoever. And so this is uh, my own, uh, you know, sense uh, that, uh, and, and faith and integrity in the system that justice uh, will prevail here and that, uh, uh, that though it's... Um, difficult to have the delay that if it's the right thing and and i believe it is that judge kavanaugh uh, will be uh, confirmed as our next justice well he's looking to get a not just a not guilty verdict he's he's looking to get an innocent verdict absolutely yes indeed and i and i, and I do believe he is innocent um and uh, and i and i think it's also possible uh, you know, based on uh, the uh, some of the reports that we've seen, 
uh, that um, that in fact this process will move forward and that he uh, will be on the court uh, by uh, the early part of October, and I think that that's uh, that's where the process is wending. Well, I'm getting I'm getting the impression that the Republican leadership, or at least under uh, under Senator Grassley, is really determined to get this done. You know, they're going to stand up and. and whoops! Sorry about that. I forgot to turn off my timer. <sighs> I get the impression that uh, the uh, the GOP leadership wants to get this done. They've, they've drawn a line in the sand, so to speak, and say this is going to happen. Yeah, I, I believe uh, that that they that they have shown a lot of magnanimity. I think they've shown a lot of grace and patience. Uh, I, I think it is possible that those who uh, disagree under circum uh, under similar circumstances may not have shown uh, the same grace and magnanimity. Uh, but the important thing is that uh, is that Senator Grassley and the majority leader McConnell, uh, they understand that uh, that the offices they hold are a public trust, and that uh, that no one is bigger uh, than than the office to which he's been elected, and that there is a particular protocol uh, in a country that is often divided that really should be followed, uh, and that when it is. Uh, and the idea of truth and the idea of what is just uh, can prevail. And in this instance, uh, I believe that that will be the case. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's uh, the sort of thing where it, it calls sometimes for superhuman patience and goodwill. Um, but I believe that this is the grace uh, as Christians uh, that uh, we are to show uh, in, our, in our public lives. And I, I think it, uh, it it springs uh, from uh, from the concept of of justice, and I and I and I believe at this point uh, that that the right thing will happen. And I'd also like to point out, you know, the uh, the Innocence Project for Northwestern University, and I believe there is another project uh, that the University of Minnesota does. I think it's called the Exoneration Project, has shown repeatedly that many, many, many men who have been accused of sexual harassment and sex charges were not guilty. And we're certainly seeing it on college campuses today with the, uh, with the Title, uh, Title IX kangaroo courts that are going on. And it's, uh, it's, it's frightening in a lot of ways. Tim, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you again for joining me on this program and putting your insight onto it. You, you certainly see it up close in, in D.C., and uh, I really appreciate your, your views and your wisdom on this. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to be invited. We will continue uh, to pray that the right thing will prevail, and we'll continue to pray for our country. Thank you, Tim. You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, a presentation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Monday of every month. Today's guest was Tim Gigline of Focus on the Family. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessings. You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to Be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.